1: four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Do you know where the afters is? <coughs> this is-, this is-, this is-
3: One, two, one, two, one, two,
2: one, two. Oh, there you go. One, two, three, four, five, six. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. We're rolling. We're rolling. Right, we're here then. Here we are. Well, Huxley. Hello. Michael, whatever you want us to call you, welcome. Big, big Huck seems a B- Big Big, Huck, big Huck. no, no, no Michael. In the
4: building. <laughs> Michael
2: Huxley, um, welcome to the afters. Thank you for having me, guys. You're very, Pleasure to see you. You're very welcome. It's been a, it's been a hot minute since it's we've been, caught up.
3: Yeah, I don't even know how long. But three or four years well, at least. Well,
2: it, it was obviously definitely before. No, it wasn't. We were supposed to see each other at ADE, but one of those oh, ADE yeah, trips yeah, where yeah, we just yeah. never happened. I was happened. only
3: there for about 24 hours, or less, actually. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I got to defected As I was leaving. As you were Left, and then yeah. I was going
2: to come to your party as was oh, Sean. Oh
4: yeah,
3: yeah, oh, we were yeah, getting yeah yeah, about
4: that. Yeah, but don't worry Blads, it was nah, a good nah, party nah, without Michael, you anyway. You know, <laughs> don't worry about this it. Is, honestly, we shouldn't what, have brought it up. <laughs> no, but What happened to me is purple, that purple. I went to Slap Funk on a Friday. I don't drink anymore. Nice. So You've I, not mentioned. No, I, I will every <laughs> single episode. And um, I went out and I lasted until 2.30. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was, but it fucked me. The next day, Mary was like, I really want to go out, Mrs. and we were going to go to the party. I I said it I'm just going to get comfortable in bed <laughs> like you, like yeah, you do yeah,
3: that, yeah, but this, that's a pre-game that well, I've I think of. she
4: did and this was uh, this was 9.30 so I was in bed on uh, on, on Saturday at 9.30pm at ADE
3: nice well yeah. why not I suppose I mean that was savage for me I thought I was a younger man that day for some reason and I didn't book a hotel so I flew in at like 7am went to my friend's place who I was running the party with and then yeah straight from the party to the airport and I have it took me about a week to recover I just can't do it anymore I never so. actually spoke to you about that I wanted to know how that
2: went because we spoke prior and I said it's okay you can drop your stuff off yeah, in right. yeah, yeah, and you've to come and chill whatever but that obviously didn't happen I just didn't
3: have time like, you know I don't run many parties myself but actually getting to see the other side of it I realise why I don't because it's an absolute <laughs> yeah. nightmare um, but yeah no it was it was it was good I mean that's the first thing for the label the label's pretty new it's coming up to about a year I think in a couple of weeks and we got a chance to do it through my friend Walter s over there and you know it was great but the actual day of it was just nerves and then i didn't really get to enjoy you know didn't get to enjoy the party kind of thing but it was still yeah it was fun well before we get into everything and obviously we know who you are
2: Yep. But, I hope so. Yep, kind of. <laughs> I think. Um, but for those of uh,
3: the listeners at home who don't, who the fuck are you? Uh, that's a that's a bigger question than I'm willing to answer right now, <laughs> but I'll tell you my backstory. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, my DJ name is Huxley. Um, I also, uh, I kind of started releasing music when I was 16, 17 under a different name, UK Garage. And then around 2009, I switched moniker to Huxley and... <sighs> Yeah, kind of released on labels like Defected and uh, Ultra, 2020 Vision, loads of different kind of house and deep house and techno labels over the last year, a few years, last, well, 13 years, Jesus, 14. And um, just have have toured extensively since then, really, a lot in America, a lot in Europe. And, you know, just um, still going just about. And that that kind of sums me up, really. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Uh, it, the, these kind of questions, I always forget something and then someone pulls me up on it <laughs> afterwards and says, Oh, you didn't mention that. I'm well, like, Well, I forgot.
2: It's, yeah. it's the thing where you put on the spot, right? Yeah, of course. That it. was yeah. a put
3: on the spot question. We do it on purpose. No, of course. Of course.
2: I want to f- just kind of get a really organic answer. Um, we asked uh, WAF the same yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, that was a good And one. he didn't shut up for 35 yeah. minutes, I don't think.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, well, good. No, no, I've got that, that, that was
2: great. Okay, um, good. That was great. That was great. That's kind of summed
3: up my life for 13 years.
2: What I was, that track, I remember that. A huge, that huge piano track. That Box clever, yeah. Box yeah, clever. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that track from like the early days, like two, was it 2012. Like?
3: It was 2000, yeah. It was 2013. Yeah, 13. Yeah, but I we're remember. doing because we. Uh, the reason I know that is we're doing a re-release package in oh, the next wow. year. No way for the, like the 10 year thing. Uh, Ralph Lawson from Twitter, and I was like, oh my god, was that really 10 years ago? Like wow. that time has just flown by. I think about all the stuff we've done, and it just it feels like it's about a year.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mad. I know it was ten years because that was when I was at Egg then and I think that's
3: when, uh, when yeah. I see you down there yeah possibly a, yeah I used to play there quite a bit a- at a- one a- point a- yeah yeah DJ my parties as well yeah 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 no the Egg's a great place to play I can remember the first time I ever went to the Egg uh, it was a, it was an after it was an after party from the quay or the cross that I went to and it was like I think I was 18 gr- growing up in a small village we've made our like pilgrimage to London I used to go to raves before that but nothing like this and then went to the quay to see uh, I think it was four formula or one of those like old parties and then we went to the egg afterwards in the after party And it was like the trans transvestite after party <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. an 18 year old kid from the village I was like okay cool okay <laughs> this is what it's about and by the end of it me and my mates were on the podium dancing and <laughs> doing shots with him it was fantastic I absolutely loved it <laughs>
2: that? yeah that, I remember that tune was so big I remember playing it every single week for months and then when we when I started to kind of air to break through and we start, you know, once you get to that level, you start speaking to artists which mm. you've been listening to or playing their tracks for, for years. Mm. I remember like first time I went to work on some tracks with with Michael in the in the studio and his. And I remember being in there, and I'll tell you this now: I was like, fucking Huxley's house.
4: <laughs> <Making laughs> yeah, yeah. We made box cover."
2: Um, but this is another thing about this industry: when you start to release tracks and you kind of get in amongst all the circles, yeah. you realise that all these other artists are just fucking lads and lasses. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're just people
3: Mm -hmm. Completely Like you 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 there's, you know you hear some horror stories about people but actually on the whole most people are really nice and sound yeah. you know so, yeah, most people I've worked with has always it's always been like a good vibe and all that kind of thing I think like you were saying you hold these people in such high regard you put it on a pedestal or whatever so when you're you're sitting in the room I mean I've had it a couple of times like the first time I met Kerry Chandler for instance yep. I was like tongue-tied mm. and he's one of the soundest and
2: he's so nice,
3: he's so he's nice. So yeah. Modest, yeah I mean right? I reckon I was more tongue-tied in front of him than I would have been like Bruce Willis or something. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and also something that you realize quite quickly in this this industry is it's very, it feels like such a big entity when you're looking from the outside in, but actually from the inside out, it's really small Yeah, because a lot of people work with each other that you wouldn't even know have worked with each other in the past. Like you're kind of... You're connected to everyone, really, and it's actually so small that it feels like (laughs) it feels probably less impressive once you're actually kind of part of it. Oh no,
2: absolutely! I found the same. Once you once you get in, once you get into like almost like past that threshold of you're now in the mix, Mm. you realise that. One, everyone's... Most people are really sound. Mm. You know, people talk about the music industry, and you know, it's all very backstabbing. And, you know, we we all have horror stories to an yeah. extent, but most people are sound as yeah, well. Yeah,
3: completely, yeah.
2: Um, and I didn't have that view of the music industry when I was going in. I thought, everyone's going to be... Um, everyone's going to be after my... I, as in, there's not enough sets to go around. Yeah. Like, everyone's going to... I mean, obviously, there's a lot of competition, but once you get in there, yeah, everyone is pretty sweet. Mm.
3: Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I think the competition thing now it, 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 it's, it's obviously really tough and it, even when we kind of broke through I know maybe you were a couple of years after me but it was a very different landscape now To going back to the breaking in thing and I feel like you know like you say you get past that threshold yeah. and everyone's really nice and sound but I do think these days it's actually kind of in some ways easier to get past that threshold but also really really difficult like once you're past it you're past it but you've got to do all these TikTok videos and all this kind of like yeah, junk yeah. that I would be awful at like I, if that was if that was on me to do that to break through i don't even think i would have even got into this position that i'm in now to be honest can you elaborate on that a little
2: bit when you said that it's a little bit easier now than it was before do you mean in terms of like the access to social media yeah
3: yeah i mean instantly like i mean i scroll on tiktok daily right and there's always some young guy there's always some young guy kind of um you know posting a track on there, and every so often you see one really pop off, like the Casso thing that is just a, I think number one now or has been with Ray, was obviously just a TikTok bootleg. I think it started like life as so that's why it's easier because you can get eyes on your stuff so much quicker. Yeah, and you don't, it's not like Instagram, you, n- you don't even need someone to follow you, they can it will just come up on their for you page. So it's like in that way it's easier, but then what I meant by it's harder, then it's hard, I think it's harder to maintain, okay? So like you break through, you have that big record, like look at some of these people that have broken through like that a craze guy might be still getting paid decent fees but we've never heard anything since that do it do it track really mm, yeah. whereas before it's a bit of a slower process you work your way up through working with smaller labels and bigger i mean it still happens but i think a lot of people now are going for that instant tiktok gratification without thinking shit now I actually need to back this up with like a career after (laughs) this and I think it's an afterthought which is whereas before it was very much of this is what I want to do and this is the steps that I can do to get there and it's just a slower process so you build a bit more of a backbone more connections a bit more reality in base in what you actually need to follow up a big single with now I've never had a single that was that big but you know if you have that single that's that big as your first single there's no one else there's nothing else for people to gravitate towards so backing it up is quite a lot harder in my yeah, opinion a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah yeah i would hate it <laughs> yeah too right because then you've just got
4: to make another absolute banger don't you? well that's that's the thing so you've uh, what you're trying to say
2: there is there's another outlet in terms of gaining an audience whereas before you had a track let's say it hit top 10 on beatport or yeah. whatever it's on the underground scene you hit top 10 or top five on beatport it did really well you got booked for six months a year and then you
3: needed to follow up with another fucking tune
2: yeah yeah completely. or another ep or whatever
3: but you probably already had that sign before that popped off whereas now you're getting that track over the you could do a friend of mine who I work with called James he was like starting a project and he was just going to do 30 second clips of of ideas and post them on TikTok and then the one that blew up he'd finish it and like then release it into the world which it feels like such a weird way to work because for me I start an idea and I want to do it but he's kind of like well yeah but if that 30 second doesn't pop off then I'm just going to throw it away wow Wow. Is, that, is that the thought process of a lot of artists these days? Do you think? I think it, I think it's becoming more and more standard because I think that. I mean, you listen to all the things now, and everything's a, a sodding bootleg anyway, right? Yeah. And I, the everywhere. Reason, and, and the reason they're doing that is because, you know, the thought process is this was a hit. If I use it, this is going to be a hit. And if you don't, they don't get that instant like connection. They they're, they're afraid to work the record. I mean, I, I'm probably guilty of this a bit more now as well. They don't put the time and energy. They if it doesn't work straight away, that's it. It's finished.
2: Wow. Yeah. That, that's that's a re. It's almost like that, that reinforcement of of the track itself instead of that coming from within you're getting it externally, hmm. so you're putting it up. 30 seconds. If it doesn't get so many likes or views in like a day, fuck yeah. it off. Start something new. Yeah. That's interesting. It's. I mean, it's, it's kind of clever in a way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I suppose it's clever if it takes you fucking ages to finish a tune, like it did for me. Yeah, I mean, I've worked. I've worked in the studio with hooks before, and it like tunes just like rattled off in like hours sometimes. Yeah. You couldn't. But I, that was never me. Mm. That would have probably been quite useful for me to get to get like external feedback. And then, because it might take me a week or two weeks to just finish one tune,
3: I do, I do think it, I do think it's important to get that external feedback. But the problem is, you're getting that external feedback from from kind of people that will will judge it on their own metrics rather than whether or not it's a good track. Yeah, and yeah. you know, a lot of people just say something bad about it to troll you or whatever it's called these mm-hmm. days. And some people will blow smoke up your ass because they feel like they're being nice, whereas actually the you know that outside feedback should come from people you respect and trust yeah. well the feedback I used
2: to get when I was playing tracks out or trying them out my, my, my manager would sometimes come down to the gig and like hear me play them yeah. but really the feedback came from trying to track out in a club Yeah. 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 so you, you get the tracks you have maybe four or five new tunes it took me about fucking three years to make the- <laughs> <laughs> and then I go and, and I play them out and if I get a good response from the crowd then it's you good it I need to maybe or tweak it or I need, yeah. need something else or whatever That that's that's the feedback I used to get and that's how I that's would a develop a tune yeah yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. But now you can make a tune, you can upload it in seconds mm. and get a 1,000 people to fucking comment or like or tell you shit. I mean, I suppose, yeah, the, the feedback is never going to be... You can't trust that feedback online because keyboard
3: warriors are prevalent, yeah, right? Completely. There's so many of them.
4: Oh, my God, yeah. Do you think that's changed your like
3: dynamic in the studio, like how you make a track now? I, I, un- undoubtedly, it has. You know, I think... And, and, and it's not maybe... Uh, I think for a long time there, when this was starting to become more prevalent, more more apparent, I was trying to go for some easy wins. Like, yeah, for example, yeah. when I signed to Ultra, I did a thing that sampled uh, Tony Braxton. Mm. And, like, I would never really have done that in the past. Fine, I used samples all the time, but not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. gone for something so overtly obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that is because, you know... You, once you've had a bit of a peak and you, you everyone has ha, everyone has troughs but you hit that first trough and Jesus Christ it hurts Like it hits you like mm. a ton of bricks right you're not you, you think the world's at your feet and then suddenly like less people want to work with you we're talking about people not being snakes but also there's a lot of truth in the fact that you know you get to know who your real friends are when you're going through that real yeah. trough and like the music industry I, I'm cool with pretty much everyone but there's a difference between a real friend like you know me and you keep in contact loads Probably not as much to be sure, but we do. Like, it, it, it becomes apparent quite quickly. But anyway, when you're going through that trough, you'll try anything to kind of try and get back up there as quickly as possible. And for me, you know, a lot of that came through dabbling in tech house, which was not really my thing. I was always house and deep house, but I was just chasing, chasing, chasing and seeing things like TikTok and like even back in those days, it was you know the tech cow stuff popping on beat or whatever maybe it wasn't the gratification but it was just a different sound I definitely chased it for sure yeah yeah,
2: yeah. 100% I mean that was probably what we did what we did with our Repopulate Mars oh yeah massive. that was my style but it wasn't technically or necessarily exactly what you did but it was good it was good for us to do that crossover maybe but we're talking years ago I'm, I'm yeah. what you're talking about is more like yeah, now yeah, right
4: yeah, yeah. What, what do you think about because you played Forward Motion recently yeah you know about parties coming up like that who were Sort of trying to bring this research. It, it's uh, good.
3: So there's that. I played for, for those guys, and also I've done one in Manchester called um, Full Circle. Hmm. Um, you well, know, that's, that's Kieran Chapel's party, isn't it? It was George's. Oh, Kieran's is it? Part of the, uh, oh, okay. Animal. But um, uh, yeah, he was the one that booked me for it originally, though. He, he told me about it, so that's where I got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Up, yeah. Um, but. Uh, to be honest, the first time I was booked for one of those, I was dreading it because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to turn in one, into one of those DJs that just plays like throwback nights for the rest of my life. I'm going to be <laughs> listening to the same 20 tunes forever. <laughs> like, There's only so many times <laughs> I can hear <laughs> Battle for Middle You by Julio Bashman <laughs> before I want to <laughs> cut my ears off, even though it's a fantastic tune, yeah. don't get me wrong, I love it. But So so the, uh, it was a bit of trepidation that I actually took that booking, mm-hmm. but if I'm honest, a lot of that, the reason that I took it was my Kings aren't as busy anymore so you know you need mm. to earn some money and I thought it would be quite a fun way to listen back to some of the older stuff as well and just have a bit of fun you know if I look back that was obviously when I was most popular yeah. in terms of touring and also in terms of actual my personal taste I still love a load of those records yeah, yeah, because yeah. they mean they have a lot of feelings for me yeah. when I played them at different parties or even just like, gen- like knowing the people that make them and genuinely liking mm. them whatever but I think they're really good. I think, like, for someone like me, it'd be really easy for me to just, like I say, do those. Yeah. Now they're popping up. but They're probably going to become more prevalent because every single one that I've seen has sold really well. Yeah. So promoters... Sometimes not the most original bunch. <laughs> no. um, so so I, I can see that popping up. And then there was an offer for somewhere uh, in December, which I turned down because I knew it was just another person trying to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'd rather keep with maybe a couple of brands. But it was great fun. Don't, every time I played one, I've had really good fun. The crowd's a bit older, so I don't feel like, kinda like someone's dad going into a club. Yeah. <laughs> <as you>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not walking around going, you should be really wearing a jacket right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, freezing
4: I, out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> hot cup of
2: cocoa. <laughs> I was actually at the Manchester one. I popped in.
3: Oh remember? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it was you, Miguel. Yeah, uh, and uh, jo- No, Josh Butler. Sorry. Was it Amos? No. and Trays. Yeah, no, no. no that, that, was, that was the one awesome. recently. I can't remember who else it
2: was. But then. it was you and Miguel, and I remember. Um, it wasn't much older crowd so it was all my mates and mm-hmm. older like you know th- early 30s mid 30s and yeah. even a little bit older than that and um, it was fucking awesome oh yeah it's I, such fun Is a punter like it was I never really went to any parties last year and I made a, a trip up to Manchester and it was really special all of our old crew came out um, hearing tracks obviously like you know when yeah, Miguel yeah, yeah. drops something special yeah, the fucking course. place yeah. went yeah. crazy but it was almost like a mixture of mid 30 year olds and then you have the 18 Year olds all holding the phones up, but it was the 30 year olds holding the phones up, so it was like a really <laughs> weird mixture. You had like half the people going, Why the fuck's everyone recording? and then half like, This is just you know, absolutely amazing. But I
3: thought the vibe was great, and I think, Oh, yeah, it's it fantastic. Work. Not- it worked, it really worked, and like you know. For, w- w- it, it's quite interesting because the full circle one in London obviously run by a couple of promoters that I know anyway so I was happy to do it it put such an effort into making it like feel special it was over yeah. 25 yeah, so you yeah. didn't have the kids you didn't have old people feeling like conscious around younger people which actually I know is maybe a bit ages but actually I think it's quite important to get older people out because you do Absolutely. start to feel a bit uncomfortable in a nightclub if yeah. you're surrounded by younger people it's just a fact yeah. So I don't really go to nightclubs anymore mm. as a punter you know very rarely and and, and it 's nice to see that it's kind of it was a moment in time that people actually feel fondly about I look back on it and i 'm fond think fondly about it but actually it 's kind of like I never really thought about it as an overarching scene yeah
4: if you know yeah, what I yeah, mean yeah. but actually
3: it, it, it 's kind of nice to to feel like the warmth and you see the people reacting to the old tunes and stuff and some of them have become classics and it's nice to feel like I was part of that. Mm. It makes you feel old when you
2: talk about your tunes or tunes of that era being classics.
3: I know, it's horrible. Well, That's fucking mental. I just got a new agent, and uh, who's funny enough, called Huxley, um, which is going to be confusing. (laughs) Uh, um, But um, we were having a meeting the other day and he was like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, I've been into your music for a long time. I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah, I think I was 12 when I first heard your music. <laughs> I'm like, fuck oh my
2: god, no! Fuck <laughs> off! Yeah.
3: Well, that, that, that's a different level. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: what about? I know you've. We we're just talking about how old you're. Your son is yep for um, and I remember when you you guys had just got pregnant and that's flown over but did and obviously we've had COVID in between that time since your uh, young young lad was born but how did tour life change or did it change at all once um once the
3: well I mean COVID was great for me because it got meant I got to see him kind of grow up and before before COVID I was touring still a lot like a lot in America and stuff yeah whereas COVID obviously put a whole in fact I was meant to go to America the weekend it shut down I was playing at CODA in Toronto and I was so close to getting on that flight and obviously I'm pretty bloody happy I didn't didn't get stuck in Canada for like months Um, but it meant that I got to see him like you know walk for the first time and not be like you know you come back from tour and you're kind of dead for a couple of days Mm. every weekend Monday right off Tuesday maybe depending how much you've drunk yeah so actually it meant that I was kind of quite heavily involved and saw him every day and stuff and it actually it was fantastic you know and then I've gone back to touring now not as much but still touring something I would say is because I was around so much then he's finding it a little bit harder now when I go away for like a week or whatever he he doesn't particularly like it but in, t- in terms of touring I, I still tour As much as possible, but also because I'm not touring as much, I don't think it's as much of an issue as it would be if I was still like Jamie or something like that. Yeah, of course.
4: Just, just, do you have like um, a sort of recovery, you know, routine that you
3: have for when you come back on tour? Well, um, uh, it used to be. Sit down in front of the TV with a bottle of red wine. To be honest, (laughs) and and get some takeaway in and just just out for one, maybe even two days, depending (laughs) how much free time I had. Doesn't Um,
2: sound like much of a recovery routine, (laughs) does it? Yeah,
3: it makes you feel nice and warm, and like while you're while you're in it, it's great. All right, yeah. Um, But yeah, um, right now, no. To be honest, I'm, you know, that I'm still uh, unlike you. I'm not sober, but you know in the last year I've cut down my drinking a lot mm. I was drinking a lot of like every day basically like mm. at least a glass of wine or whatever and then in the last year I've kind of actually moved over and even in the last couple of weeks like so I could, I feel like a, a switch has kind of flicked a little bit mm-hmm. and before I wasn't drinking but I was still kind of craving a drink and like yeah. finding an excuse whereas now I'm actually finding that I'm like actually I don't want this right now i'm not saying i'm sober because i'm not but i think that a level of growing up in my head has happened quite a lot in the last yeah. year and maybe that's because i'm approaching 40 in a couple of years or maybe it's just that my son is now at school so i'm feeling like a proper adult <laughs> before, a <real> I, one. <laughs> before <laughs> I was just like a 24 year old forever <years>. yeah. <laughs> yeah well longer unfortunately um and so i and i and i think. That because i'm not drinking as much now when i do t- shows it's it's not taking me as long to recover yeah yeah i it just need a bit more sleep maybe and that's yeah. it
2: that's good so you can you can obviously feel the difference just by cutting down the drinking that the recovery mm. is you don't have to have like you haven't got a set thing in place where you do x y and z but no. you just you just cutting down the drinking
3: with a kid you can't it's quite hard to have like a full recovery program because they won't let you do it yeah <laughs> well maybe that, that was
2: probably quite a healthy uh, catalyst yeah. in order for you to Maybe this new because you know your son's now what four or five yeah four yeah yeah so you know they're at school now is that right reception all yeah they've yeah, just or? started
3: reception in September so yeah that
2: must be like you know that's all new new and changing so now you've got you've got that on your mind right I know yeah. obviously when they were babies you still have to do certain much, probably much more in terms of physically like looking after them but you you you've got responsibilities like massively
3: you, yeah like it's not just you anymore you can't yeah. be selfish anymore you know it definitely as a as a quote unquote artist it's quite a selfish career no no you are an artist, there's no quote unquote. quote well, you okay. fully I, are an I, I, artist I just can... hate saying it because I feel like a twat but okay. as an artist, I'll give you that <laughs> as an artist, like you, it's quite a selfish career, right, mm. because uh, uh, look, even when you're in your home life if you've got a partner and you're not, you're essentially thinking about yourself constantly, you're the product you're thinking about what music you want to make, where you want to play where you want to be yeah. Like it, your whole focus is on you, which is it's a very selfish thing, you, you know, you're the company, you're the person bringing in the money right whereas once you have a kid that becomes a lot less important Mm. which is why i think a lot of artists after they have kids uh, like don't lose something but maybe if they did they lose a tiny bit of the drive because they just don't have the time for it and also it makes you a bit more selfless as a person which probably erodes that drive a little bit as well i would say
2: so going back then
3: um on the
2: on the same subject of drinking Let's go back way before you had uh, you had children. What did you ever have um, any problems with alcohol or drugs, any dependency, anything in that regard? When you were like at your like your peak,
3: when you were on the road touring gigs and I mean yeah, crazy. I, I'd hate to. Crazy uh, you know, I would say that my relationship with alcohol has always been a little bit kind of temperamental. I would never say I was an alcoholic, but that might just be me not admitting it. But what what I would say is, I, I when I was touring a, a lot, I was drinking a fucking a lot, a lot. Like, you know, my rider used to be a bottle of rum. Most nights, I would finish that. You know, it was it was a heavy period of consumption for me, and not not just alcohol. You know, I was doing coke a lot as well, mm, yeah. and don 't get me wrong i I feel like it, when you 're in that bubble of touring and like when you 're coming up and everything 's new and exciting i I've, and you 're getting all those free drinks, it just becomes like a natural part of 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 the yeah. tour life you know what I mean, like you go into the next club you 've been up for like two days, whatever, maybe already because you 've gone to an after party you know you 're twenty five you 're just loving it yeah, <laughs> and, and then you start drinking again, you just keep going, and especially if you 're in a tour what I used to struggle with and still do actually is when I'm saying going to Australia or something like that you know you have a bunch of off days in the middle first first tour fine you're going to look around Sydney go to the Opera House all that kind of shit yeah. after that though your friends that you might make there are working yeah, like during yeah, the yeah, day yeah, yeah. or they're doing stuff so you're just sat in the hotel bored and my my defunct my my, my default like motion is just go oh, fuck it I just get a bottle of wine and like mm-hmm. sit in the hotel all day day and then drink and then that might turn into two bottles of wine it, on on certain days if i'm feeling really loose <laughs> so, so like you know yeah. you know for me they they uh, a period which is a real struggle because boredom you can't really do i don't really write music on the road because i just never have been able to so i'm just sat there watching shit tv and like with nothing to do and then that's when you know you get you get like the dry throat or whatever yeah, yeah
2: Yeah, well, that, well. That, that that's the thing. So you, 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 I mean, I had a very similar experience, especially when I was away and I was on my own. Mm. I never got to a level where I had a tour
3: manager. No, so, well, I never wanted one.
2: Yeah, well, a lot, a lot of people. I mean, I see a lot of people now
3: who've, all, they've all got what? Everyone's got a tour manager. But I never really understood, right? So uh, even even during this time of drinking, like I, ne- I, I never thought it was funny or cool to try and miss flights and get too drunk. I like, I was always up well and at the airport well before my flight. I'd never miss a show. I think I missed, like, three shows, mainly due, I think, due to illness, and one was a visa reason. Like, I, I don't understand why you need your mate to come and tell you that's that you've got I, to yeah, get that's up. that's
4: right. I was just about to say... Well, just set a fucking alarm. What
3: is the jo- Like, I'm not being rude to
4: any tour managers, but I, I, like, I was never big enough to even consider one, but what is the actual I, role? Well, I, th- I think the, the main... From what, I'm at, what I... My observation of it,
2: right, is that... Some of these artists who are on the road all the time, let's say doing two, three, potentially four shows, let's say they're doing a big tour. you're on your own a lot yeah, and you yeah, know yeah. what it's like we were just yeah. talking about yeah, just, you sat yeah, in the yeah, hotel yeah, room yeah, 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 board yeah, yeah. bottle of wine fuck it let's have another mm-hmm. one let's mm-hmm. see what else is going on tonight let's go out have a few beers in the pub if you've got a friend there you're not alone no. you can do stuff together go to the cinema go for some nice food like all those things you can do with a friend and if you're making enough money mm. and I don't you know I think this, some of these tour managers are making like not Decent bad money. Reg, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so if you can afford it and you don't
3: like being on your own why not yeah. and then why not but again I think I mean uh, yeah, uh, for me I never struggled with being on my own no, actually no, at no. all like obviously the drinking stuff boredom maybe but kind of I think I would be, I, I would actually kind of maybe find it more stressful that I had a tour manager yeah, like yeah, yeah, parked down a few doors down in the hotel and that th- I felt I would feel like I'd have to go and spend time with them yeah, you mm. know I would feel that social anxiety more if I had someone with me yeah. and actually yeah, being, on my own, being on my own I can just like go to the gig zone out fine I'm done yeah no
2: but I think if if you if you handle your own company mm really well and you don't get lonely then sweet yeah. I, don't, I but again that's just one that's just my opinion uh, people obviously do it for a reason yeah, so course, whether it's for, to have a friend on the road or whether it's because you yeah. can't fucking put your socks on and you need someone <laughs> to tie your shoes I, mean, I don't nice. know or, I, a photographer is quite a
3: good one now photographer's yeah. good photographer is good and also I would say that you know a lot of people use them as a barrier between them and promoters so like yeah, for example if they yeah. have something wrong they don't want to be the arsehole to say it they use their tool manager to come Kind of be that that middle well, that's man that's a good idea well, yeah that is a and, good. and i think that's their job and so for me that was never a problem mm-hmm. I, i've never had massive issues and if i have i'm, I'm okay speaking up about it yeah yeah and like <laughs> yeah, I, in an artful way but like you know yeah, yeah, sort yeah. it out but i think some people find that awkward and also some people just don't like the responsibility of doing it themselves yeah. as well well imagine
2: if you're like someone like kink who's got a fuckload of gear. Yeah, exactly. And you walk up to the show, you want all your shit lined up. Mm, now, this yeah. is another level, right? You've got levels of this shit, right? Yeah, course, so, yeah. You've got someone who just comes along who's speaking to the promoter, making sure your ride is there, making sure the equipment's right, making sure yeah your, your bottle of vodka's opened and you've got like yeah. passes for your friends. Then you've got a next level up where they're setting your live equipment up for you, yeah. making sure that the taxi's on time, or, or everything yeah, in the yeah, background's yeah. going on. So you've probably got different levels. And you're also talking between three lads who are never fucking big enough to ever get a Talking to managers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we're yeah, probably slightly, slightly biased. biased. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah.
4: Uh, just, just, just on that. You mentioned like social anxiety. Is that something? Did you ever get that when you were travelling, touring?
3: Obviously, meeting so many new people all the time. I would say that I used to be a real people person. I used to love it, and I used to, you know, I made some really good friends yeah. on the road. Um, but I think as I get older, it's actually getting worse. Mm. Maybe it's because I've, I've just got. I less ability to kind of have do small talk or maybe it's just because I'm getting older and getting grumpy as fuck and just can't be hard (laughs) (laughs) I don't know but
2: um, you've always been a grumpy fucker man well yeah that's true
3: (laughs) but um I, I think it's something that is actually get, I'm getting worse with, yeah. and it, it's kind of a weird thing. I used to, I, I I have no problem meeting and talking to people. That doesn't bother me at all. Like that's fine. I can wherever room you put me in, I can I can you know find my way in it. Yeah. But I I I, I struggle more these days when it's just like one-on-one relationships, and you're meeting that person, that promoter. I don't struggle, but I just have less. I think I have less time for it mm-hmm. these days than I used to, and that's I think that's just through being in this business so long you know you're in there one day out the out the next and you know I need more time on my own these days. Like I never used to sleep before shows. I used to go for dinner with the promoter and whoever else, and then sometimes even just go to the show straight from the start yeah, and just yeah, go all day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas now, that was not, <laughs> like, now out. I normally skip dinner and yeah, and, and, yeah. and then just sleep until I have to leave. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Pro- I think and I think the social anxiety thing probably comes from withdrawing a little bit and mm. feeling like I'm not as. Uh, uh, no, maybe I'm not going to say that, but like f- just you know, f- feeling a, a different level of connection to the people that yeah, I'm meeting.
2: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I used to dampen that. I think I've spoken about this before, but I would dampen that anxiety with drink yeah oh massively yeah before i go to the show my my rider i remember once it was like 2017 18 i just i was well in with defected i'd done me like first residency in ibiza and i remember my mate who come on show um on tour of me sometimes not a tour manager i just came for the fucking ride he was a um a good guy to have there and he was like your rider's fucking bullshit mate and i was like (laughs) what he went he just says and i showed him it just says bottle of vodka no brand which sometimes I got fucking Glenn's or
4: whatever
3: right <laughs> <laughs> like Tesco yeah, right. yeah. Nice. yeah yeah wrestle it out the homeless person's <laughs> before the show yeah here we go Jackie <laughs> no, will love this
2: um, I remember one show I'm not going to mention where but I remember it was a. it wasn't even Glenn's it was like the, it was the, the. it was Asda's own or Tesco's it was a Tesco's or Asda's own nice. right it would just said and they vo- left it in the it bowl it said vodka and it was no mixes oh wow no ice oh nice It was just on the side next to the decks Wow. and I had to say something I was like well, I can't drink that right but anyway this is. And they ran this time it was diva I bet you did. Yeah, 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 diva yeah, yeah. emoji what do you mean you can't drink <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah he went back and got me some glens so, <laughs> so um, he said this is bullshit so I went okay I'm going to re- rewrite it so I thought let's just fucking go all out and I didn't know because your agent works for you right Yeah. because the agent takes a cut on top so yeah, they, yeah. they work for you they'll tell the promoters whatever the fuck you want to get yeah, so, yeah. so I wrote bottle of Grey Goose, nice. Bottle of Patron Silver. No, it's pushing Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was <laughs> keeps going. Um, obviously mixes and lime and stuff. So like lime and soda. Um, bottle of coconut water. Six bottles of Budweiser and two bottles of water. That's and, pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, was, right. it was well better. And I sent it and I was dead nervous. And yeah. I was like, he's gonna just email me back going, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and it worked. Nice. Yeah. And I yeah. got it everywhere. so everywhere I went, we had this bottle of vodka and bottle of tequila. And that was as soon as I got to the shore. I was nervous yeah. because of my anxiety, as I got more into it, like, I think, like you said, you get used to, like, how the promoters work, you know, like, you're in and out, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So I was already, like, a bit like, oh, this is, like, a very, very transactional. Yeah. So get in, and then I would dampen that anxiety we were just talking about with a couple of shots of tequila.
3: For sure, man. Like, alcohol, it, like, instantly made me feel more, a bit more at ease. Like, I, I got into a real bad um, thing where... and I I was doing it when I was not touring as well when I get to an airport as soon as I get to an airport I'd sit down and have a drink every time didn't matter if it was 5am in the morning or 10pm I would always sit down and it'd be the first thing I did because that that environment to me just became an extension of like my drinking sphere Uh, I suppose and I think that a lot of the reasons I did that was like you say I could I could turn up and I'd already dampen those like feelings of anxiety and you know had a basis to build off, you know. Of like feeling a bit more confident or, yeah, or whatever, yeah. however you want to say what alcohol does, but it was definitely that was hundred percent for me alcohol, and then it turned to like bits of you know, you know coke or whatever. Mm. Also, then added on to what I thought I needed yeah to, yeah. to get over those hurdles. Yeah, that so was it?
4: that was the same for me. Just drink, just for that confidence, and then as soon as it was drink, it was cocaine. Yeah, oh, yeah.
3: Uh, we're seeing a
2: pattern here. Yeah. <laughs> <We> have, <laughs> everyone, yeah, everyone we've spoken to pretty yeah. much in terms of our artists on and off the podcast um, have the same story. Yeah. They dampen that, those anxiety feelings with drink, <laughs> and then they get too drunk so they do the coke, and yeah. also it's a feeling of acceptance in this thing that you've been in for years as a punter when you used to go clubbing. You're yeah. in the club, you're doing yeah. drugs, but then when you become the center of attention, it all it's all heightened. Cause, uh, you
3: know. But I also think there's this like myth, and I do think it's a myth now, that the DJ is just on a constant party. Do you know what I mean? Like their, their tour life is just a constant party. And I think that it is kind of, uh, I think living as a touring DJ, you're while very devoid of actual reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you get a level of self-importance, which is not measurable in any way other than outside of this small bubble. And also, you know, as a punter, you think that that person in front of you is always on it. drugs or drinking or what they're always going to after so life and soul of the party kind of thing but actually in reality you might do that for a few years when you first break through but most people aren't like that Mm. to be honest
4: yeah and I think that's the the pressure like that for me was the downfall is that just not being able to then have that off switch you know they've just been partying and doing gear for every single gig obviously when that become an addiction and a problem I was like shit like how am I gonna
3: you know talk about this yeah yeah completely I mean With the drugs thing, I was lucky. I never took it home, really. Mm-hmm. Like it was always very much of an out, 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 you know, out thing. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> for drinking, definitely. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It and was just constant. And you, you're just thrown into it
4: as well. There's no, there's no preparation for, you know, for, for, for being an artist, really. Is it? No. There?
2: Well, the, the, the one of the other issues I think is, um, this drug and alcohol fueled sort of, um environment that we're in is it works from the top down. Mm, so yeah. I'm not mentioning names and I'm even I'm <coughs> going to be talk broadly here but management and agents and everyone yeah, yeah. they're all fucking doing it Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. and mm. no one talks about it no one and people look people even people who do drugs look down at other people who do drugs and I find that crazy you know? yeah, it's wild It's wild. no one you know no one's talking about the issues with dr- drug use in the music industry like you'll go to ADE or you know we've been to um Miami Music Conference yeah, like, yeah. it's another thing where the whole industry gets together and everyone's pretending to be really professional but everyone I mean, the majority nah, of people are just there party yeah, here, so. the it's
3: music ex- industry is a weird industry like when I speak to about it like with my friends the amount of like who have got real jobs let's be honest yeah. uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you know it, it, it's this level of a bit of unprofessionalism is kind of just accepted yeah it doesn't yeah, it doesn't yeah, it, it yeah, like yeah. in whatever way you want to say that it's just accepted in the music industry like <laughs> uh, the amount of meetings that I, I have made and then either me or the other person just cancels like 10 minutes before i'm just like it's just accepted and when i tell someone that like what the fuck is going on here yeah, yeah. Or How do you
2: get anything done or you have the meeting and then minutes after they go
3: you got any gear then? <laughs> 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 it does happen. Straight, yeah, straight, straight on it. And, every um, meeting's over a beer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But
2: th- th- that's the thing, I don't think people in the music industry, like you were talking about the, the person in the crowd who looks at the DJ and sees this person who is just partying after partying mm. but because that person who's having that thought has been to work all week. Yeah. They've maybe been saving for a month to go to that party to see their favourite DJ yeah. and they see that guy is like, oh, he
3: must do that every. Every night, yeah. Every yeah. Friday side here. Little do they know I'm watching Midsummer Murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In my PJ's, in his slippers. Yeah. Oh mate well, so- I've got some cracking
4: slippers. <laughs> <laughs> Um sorry, I just had a foot of slippers then because I actually need to get myself some like M&S, the winter, mate, Yeah, the winter's great yeah, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. It? um so what have you got any advice then for youngsters coming up, especially just t- you know that, that just talking about drugs and alcohol that like, have you got any advice for
3: well i mean i i, I think my I, I I can give advice whether or not they'll heed it or not I don't know I mean mm. something that I would say is. And it's going back to what we were just talking about, you know, treat this as a job as much as physically possible because it's your passion, it's your hobby, it's your love. And then suddenly, very quickly, it becomes a job. And a lot of people don't deal with that well, me included, like we were talking
2: about. Yeah, all of us in here, I think. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: And so, so, really have the mindset going in that it's not just a party man, this is your job and you see a lot of people burn out I mean we've seen people that we both know have real problems with their yeah. mental issues and we've lost some people yeah yeah completely and you know it this industry can hit you hard in the face and we you know it's it's a tough industry to to maintain uh, any level of kind of income and relevancy which is a huge thing these days everything's so much quicker than it was you know if you go into it thinking with your head turned on not about the drugs and the booze but thinking about it as, as a business as a brand you know I look back on my past and I, I know that I've missed out some huge opportunities like I should have set up my own night earlier should have maintained with my record with my first record label more like put more effort into it but I was more concerned about just my DJing and my production and quite frankly getting on it and off my face <laughs> all the time yeah, yeah. Yeah. that I never really focused on those bits of it which yeah. I really should have done so going in my my advice is always think of it like a business when you get that little bit of heat think about how you can pivot and turn that into something other than just you DJing Mm. because DJs have a shelf life apart from like 10 20 even them really probably at some point they have peaks and troughs even though if they're not as like harsh as when you're younger so just think about this as how you can actually use everything to your advantage and not just take it for granted that it's those opportunities are always going to be there because they're not
2: that's such an important thing because we've spoke about this before but when i had my first track or first big track not the first track the first track that did pretty well um i thought i'd made it like full you think
3: it's going to be there forever
2: and it's done and i'm going to get booked and all the agents are going to want me forever yeah and then soon you realize that's not the fucking case no mm. it's a business it's, it's a business. business yeah you're a commodity yeah. and the and first you-
3: time someone rejects you like a booking agent or a promoter or whatever you take it really personally yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. really really personally yeah, yeah. and it's only over time that you start to realize that those people might like you as a person they don't hate you I, I had a feeling that everyone hated me because when they stopped yeah. booking me but it's not they don't hate you it's just you know their business is making money and if you're not going to sell as many tickets as yeah, you used to yeah, yeah. it's just a harsh reality do you know what I mean they can't just book you because you partied with them like one night and you had a great time it's got to make business sense people are here to make money and Mm I think because it's one of those businesses that is a hobby or a passion, people forget that and they take it so much more personally than they would do in other things, maybe.
4: Yeah, of course. Well, because it, it is personal, though, cause just because, you
3: you know, you like you said before, you are the brand, aren't you? That's oh, yeah, massively, yeah. But the only person that you've got to blame for not being as, as, as big or as popular is yourself. Yeah, of yeah. course.
2: But you're trying to separate those two. It's almost trying to develop your emotional intelligence to, to, to realise that people aren't booking you because you're not selling tickets, it's not because they don't like you.
3: Exactly and that's the difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're,
2: you're not getting people in the door, <laughs> so why would they spend however much money on you when they can get this other person for cheaper who is current who's going to sell tickets. Uh,
3: and, and, yeah, Completely, and then something I would actually say as well is, going back a little bit about what you were saying, how every manager and book or booker will want you forever. A lot of people think that once they've got a booking agent or a manager, they don't have to put the work in anymore and they leave it all to those guys to do it. Actually, once you got a manager and a booking agent that's when the work really fucking starts it really does right. yeah because yeah. yeah.
2: the agents are going right to the managers what you got coming up yeah. and even with the new agencies when I'd moved agencies before the agents replied saying give me a list of every, th- every single gig you've got booked in every single release yeah. what tracks are you making at the moment mm. w- which labels are you trying to pitch to they want to know everything because they're like if I'm going to invest my time in this person I need to make sure they've got at least some longevity mm. like yeah. you said before you need a plan we need a plan because longevity in this business is fucking short unless you're a Roger Sanchez or you're a fucking
3: you know, Jamie Jones. Jamie Jones. Like, yeah.
2: You know, but th- this is another thing. I don't know whether I was speaking to you about this. Sorry to digress. No, it's all right. But um But there are some artists who n- never released, or no, haven't released in a long time, like Michael yeah. Corolla. Yeah. Corolla. Yeah. Uh, or other artists like that who don't release but um, the, the, no, the, let's not use Corolla because he's just music on he's got a f- massive brand but
3: now. but that, uh, uh, go, so, sorry, to, but that's a bit like going on from what I was saying he saw that he was getting popular ah, started music yeah. on mm. didn't start it under his own name so it might come to a point yeah, where I he know, yeah. can't play anymore because he's yeah, too old but he can always have that brand yeah yeah but yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Jamie with paradise with Jamie obviously you know I, I mean I'm, I'm sure this is how it works with both most most brands but you now charge a, a set fee for the brand yeah let's say I don't know like a glass stage, Paradise stage, you charge for the brand, and then you don't even have to fucking play, you can just call it exactly, Paradise, yeah. and you can just book, you book the artists, and then you take whatever, you know, which is probably the majority of the fee, mm-hmm. and then you pay the artist, and that, that becomes a business, and that, yeah, that comes full circle to what you were saying before about, don't just focus so much on you and your DJ and your productions, try and create a business, try and create, enterprise is a big word, but try and create yeah. something around yeah. what you're doing, because... Everything's got like a shelf life, haven't yeah. you?
3: Say? Yeah. And, try, and, try and, and try and make as many connections as possible as well. Like, you know, it's all well and good being the life and soul of the party, but if someone, a booker, sees you like that and they, you know, first impressions are a lot and they don't mm-hmm. respect you after that, you know, they're not going to want to work with you yeah. in the future. Like, you know, conseq- you, your actions have consequences and you have to, you know, stand by those. Absolutely.
2: We were right. speaking about that last time actually with WAF about, um, or might have been with Chris, about certain. Um, artists who are now doing really well. Who one of their attributes is they were just networking. They went yeah, to the parties yeah. even when they weren't playing. Yeah. You know, some artists I mentioned last time who would just come to the gig. They'd meet the promoters even if they weren't on the lineup, and they'd, yeah. they'd be they'd be there. They'd be present.
3: Well, I mean, and it's you know, so important. I mean, look at like Jamie Roy. That, yeah. w- that was that was you know that was his whole thing. He was he was omnipresent. Yeah, he was fine. fucking everywhere, mm. right? And and you know he was just starting to finally get his. His, his dues get paid back and like yeah. get somewhere and obviously you know what happened to him was awful horrendous but he's he's a great example of that. Yeah, and, and, well that's a
2: tough one. That yeah, man. it's horrible. It's to, talking about Jamie, he was such a special person and he was um, he was there every time. And you're right, it was he was just getting to that point where he was everywhere. Yeah, he had that big tune out uh, on on Patrick's label. Yeah, um, he was he had a whole
3: album signed to Ultra. We were working on it together. It was crazy. <laughs> he's a he's an,
2: so this is this is you know coming back again to what we're talking about in terms of new artists coming through that's one who was taken way too early who who let that party in, in a way and obviously i don't want to talk too much about it but the party was big for jamie mm, he was yeah. always at the parties and mm. um, mm. he never said he said no to an afters nah. no <laughs> he was always that but but be that with that sort of personality be, you know there's I, I compare myself to Jamie in a lot of ways in terms of um, I wanted to be this I was the life of the party in mm-hmm. so many ways but it was so detrimental to my health and it yeah. was get I, I've said this to Sean if, if it wasn't for COVID I don't know where I would be in terms of my health right now because yeah. I wouldn't have had to pivot I wouldn't have had to do something else and I was, you know, drinking a lot and essentially addicted to, to drugs as well to an extent. You know, I was, yeah. you, you don't want to call, you don't want to say you're addicted, but to, but it's
3: we, social. It can be a social it, addiction. I, well. Yeah, I, it think,
4: I think, addi- I think it addiction is. really is just is there a problem? Not like I was addicted to coke, but it's, I didn't have a physical dependency. Yeah. It's just no, no. it was getting in the way of you know of my career and, and my social life. And
3: yeah, all. when it, and you know. It's all well and good, like you're 18, and you're like you got a bit of like pub grub down yeah, the, down yeah. the boozer with your mates. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. A, a cheap whatever, and for that. That's, I don't see really a problem with any of that, that kind of stuff, you know. But it's when, like you say, it starts affecting your relationships oh, yeah. or your career yeah. or like actually just things that are in your immediate surroundings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So, um, on to uh, the, the funny on my notes now, the, the next question oh, is, What's your craziest party? Um, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm... <laughs> <this> the <laughs> after Because it's the after.
2: Yeah. So, have you got any like crazy stories from being on the road that, um, particularly? stand out in your memory uh, there is one. Uh,
3: oh yes that, was in. <laughs> that, uh, uh, that so I used to play a lot in Ireland right and uh, I was do- I was doing pretty well there actually and I always used to end up going back to a student house his, like after party or whatever and then this one time I was there can't remember what I was doing probably fucking everything and <laughs> one of the guys because I was so fucked convinced me that he was like a priest or something he ended up like baptising me in the sink in this fucking like <laughs> student hall's bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I was not expecting that with you. It was such... There was uh, a video for it at one point. Wow. Well, well. So you, you, you got, got baptised. Ba- well, I didn't. I can't remember any of it. I just saw the <laughs> video after. Someone dunked your head in the sink. Yeah, it was crazy. It's hilarious. No, that's got that's me. fucking me. That's probably the worst... That's, like, yeah, the worst one. But the worst? That sounds like the fucking best. I mean, <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. It was fucking... I think it's
2: hilarious, but...
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's probably the, like, most uh, ridiculous thing. That's ever- I mean, there's probably more, but I just don't remember it that's good enough for me <laughs> I, can't baptised really the afters. I can't really top that really. <laughs> I
2: can't mean, really top that we probably all felt like we were baptised at I one point I think so yeah or or ba- or physically, or reborn. physically being put, I mean we, I, we've, how many times have we all been sat in the bath at
3: an afters <laughs> oh, my you ever You
2: always sit in the bath <laughs> <laughs> why did we used to do that you know you'd get in the bath and like yeah, you'd yeah, have yeah. your legs hang over it, it was perfect but never been baptised oh, I that's used nice to cool. love
3: I used to love doing shit yeah. like that if I could go back to 25 well, I'd, I'd definitely still be going to afters Duffins, I think yeah. I used to love them yeah they were classic couldn't do it now alright yeah so any you we we're talking about the label as well. Um, tell
2: us a little bit about that. What plans for the future have you got for the label? Uh, What's the
3: label called? Sorry, by no, the way, called, for the it's, listeners, it's called uh, Dumb Safari, um, and it's uh, in the past. I've had a couple of labels, but I've always run them with other people, and then for one reason or another, it's kind of finished. Um, although we're restarting, maybe one or two of the uh, one of them, but uh, the new one is Dumb Safari. It's kind of a lot of it is. Uh, I, I, it is my own releases when I when I can't I you always used to get frustrated that I was sending demos out that I really loved but because labels these days have a very tunnel vision of what they want to release they wouldn't put it out right so I thought Dumb Safari great just for me to release my kind of like more off kilter records or just records I you know felt like weren't going to fit anywhere yeah um and it's kind of turned into more of like I'm signing a lot of younger younger artists now. Um, there's a I'm, I'm actually part I'm a teacher for a thing called Mix Masters where we go off and we do these retreats in Ibiza and stuff, and I've ended up kind of signing a couple of those guys to the label as well. Oh, wicked! And giving them a first shot. I just. Um, Sorting a couple of those out now, so it's kind of turned into this thing where you know me, I'm running it on my own, but uh, Wouter S from uh, Amsterdam is a kind of a big part of it now. He's doing some A and R and stuff, so it's I'm kind of as as cliche and cheesy as it sounds. I'm trying to just bring together a group of people that I actually like mm. as as artists and as people, and just work with people that I kind of have had some relationship with in the past. Um, I am signing other stuff, but it's just trying to like you know. We had the ADE party the, the plan is to hopefully we got number 10 coming out in December wicked um, for the first year which isn't bad and then after that it's just to kind of kick on maybe try and do another ADE thing next year maybe do something in the UK as well just build it slowly a bit like what I was talking about before rather than just rushing in and like yeah. throwing loads of money at it and being like right this has to be big now yeah. I kind of just wanted to build organically mm. and if I, I feel like if I can get some of the artists that I, I think are really good while they're still kind of coming up then I can we Can hopefully grow the label and them at the same time.
2: Well, using like Paradise as an example is perfect for that Mm. because you've got like Jamie and Richie and all those guys who started when they you know they started Paradise years ago, and then they just stuck together. they let it grow organically with the guys from the start, which was which is exactly how you want a night to to grow organically, right? Yeah, you kind of got that community, which
3: when everyone grows at the same pace, Mm. I think it's really important now. Like you look at lineups now, and it's either like it's either like the obvious names Mm. or it's a crew of people like Solid Grooves or like you say the Paradise crew are quite like tight or or even like the Gorgon City lads have got their realm like little roster of people. A lot of the nights now are kind of backed by another brand rather than just like you know uh, a night at Sankey's like where they just put loads of people. It does feel now that the the landscape is a little bit different when it comes to like people playing together just seemingly all the time and their little Mm -hmm. crews. I I think it's important as well like you say grow together because I can promote it as much as possible. But you know, some eighteen-year-old doesn't know who the fuck I am, probably. And like to have someone else who's more on their level, or one of their peers promote it, means probably a lot more to them than me just shouting about it all the time. So it's all, its yeah. about using different avenues of like promoting, whereas, but still keeping it in a tight-knit group of people.
4: What, um, what, what artists are the up and coming?
3: Um, there's a uh, there's there's a girl in America called Color Love who's just released on Desert Hearts. We've got an EP coming from her. Uh, with a good like Daniel Orpy remix who we just agreed on that on the way in actually and then a few other like youngsters that we got me uh, I'm coming up again in a few weeks and then what's uh, we got I uh, got a uh, Speed Garage guy from America called FX Logic and stuff and then that's back with a remix by me so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get like these newer people mm. and then get bigger remixes yeah, we had yeah. perfect. we had a guy called uh, Calypso Jet come out with a remix by Tiptoes who's an artist who I'm really like I love his kind of vibes at the moment. So that's kind of like trying to take each release as it comes rather than stick to one formula style wise. That's wicked. It's, it
2: sounds like that. you're doing something a bit different, which yep. is nice to see. You know, there's not like just doing the, sort of the same formula.
4: Um, yeah. Just on that, uh, I was just, where, where did the name come from?
3: Uh, well, actually, I released a track called Done Safari years ago mm. with a friend of mine called Sam Russo. Uh, the, 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 I know Sam. Yeah. 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 He's now doing construction and stuff like full time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's no longer, yeah. He's a, he, He's he got some wild stories.
4: It's
3: just clicked. And I remember some of his tracks that he used to make, Sam. He's, yeah, it was uh, good. We lived together for six months in Bournemouth as well, actually. Yeah. It was a good pal. I'm not seeing him for long. But anyway, I uh, like that was just the name that we came up with for that track, and I, it's always stuck with me. And I thought, you know, Dumb Safari, I've got this artist doing loads of kind of like stupid looking giraffes and shit yeah, that we to do. So, like, it's kind of like, I feel like aesthetically, it, there's a lot of stuff to to use yeah. as well which I think is really important now
2: Yeah, I'm excited to hear more
3: about that label is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap this up um, uh, not really like the label obviously Dumb Safari and then next year I've got like I've just signed to Defected for six singles yeah boy um, which should be next nice one. and I'm just working on some of my other aliases as well which are kind of just I, I, in the background, so which I won't talk about much because there's nothing planned yet. But we like, they're starting a, a story starting to come together for one of them, so we'll see. Well, mate, thanks awesome. for, thanks thank for you. coming down. Yeah. Thanks for
2: having me, man. Great, great chat, and uh, yeah, there's some really interesting points there, especially for like up ah, and coming artists and even artists who are, are current who want to, you know, know that they're not on their own in terms of the you know, the the party and stuff. And yeah. Oh, yeah, it's important to talk about this. So. It, you
3: can feel real lonely on the yeah. road, yeah. like no one else going through it, but actually, the minute you start talking to someone, and it's it's important you talk to someone on the same level as you if you are honest because yeah. they're the ones it, it, it's important to have those conversations of course well
2: thanks again mate Brilliant. nice one thank you nice, nice, nice
3: guys thanks everyone Does anybody know where the afters is
1: selling a little or a lot